3: It's hour number two of the Greg Peterson experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network, and we've got a tremendous hour for you As In about 15 minutes, we're going to be joined by Matt Landis of the Props and Ops podcast and Ben Brown, who does great work over at Pro Football Focus. We're going to be getting their thoughts on what we all saw this week in the NFL. I'll try to see if they've got a Monday Night Football pick or two, as I gave out mine in the last segment, if you missed that for one, you're able to go to VEASAN.com slash podcast for that or wherever your podcast. We post up every hour of every show that we do there, but I'll also hit it at the back half of the show as well. So we've got you guys all covered there. We're going to get you guys covered with some college basketball here in this segment. And speaking of having us covered, the fine folks behind the scenes, they always do that as well. I was spe- speaking about the fact that every single show on this on this fine network And just every hour of this show, it's up in podcast form. That is thanks to Sean. He does absolutely tremendous work for us. And then those of you guys listening on Terrestrial Radio, iHeartRadio app, what have you, Taylor is the man that gets us all set up on audio. Everything that you're seeing, whether you're watching on Visa.com, YouTube TV, what have you, that is courtesy of our good friend Dakota. And then you've got my producer, Jason Kahn. He is the man that sets up all of these interviews. He keeps me in line, which... If you can imagine, that is one of the toughest jobs on the face of planet Earth. So we do salute Jason and all of his efforts and everyone behind the scenes. They do absolutely amazing work. I work with the best team humanly possible. Big thanks to all these guys and everything that they do. Now it is that time that I help these guys out and try to be able to find some winners on the betting board. Hopefully I did so on Monday Night Football. Hopefully we can do so with regards to my DK Nation write-up that we're going to be having for college basketball on this. Monday and well, we were able to get online because I utilized my own pro tip in our number one and just decided, you know what? We're not going to go with anything fancy. We're just going to fade the heck out of Louisville and well, Louisville came up state guys again. So if you've bet against Louisville this year, you're eight. No, congratulations there. And we're going to bet against this team because they haven't necessarily been a whole heck of a lot better against the spread. That'd be Gonzaga. They are playing those to Kent state The Golden Flashes are a 15 and a half point underdog. Your talents game is between 153 and 153 and a half. And with Kent State, I feel like they should be more around about a 13 to a 13 and a half point underdog. With Gonzaga, two and six against the spread this season. And the big thing for Gonzaga has been turnovers. This team has been uncharacteristically sloppy with the ball. 14.9 turnovers per game. They now go up against a Kent State team that... They generate a turnover on about 26.5% of possessions, of which are on defense. That ranks sixth in all of college basketball. Here's what I'm talking about in terms of Gonzaga going downhill with their offense. 55th in the country in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis. Doesn't sound too bad when you've got 363 D1 teams. They have been in the top eight, though, in each out of the last six seasons. You can tell that... The turnover in the backcourt, it is really taking a little bit of a toll on this Gonzaga team. Yet, our good friend, Mr. Nolan Ickman, not have some so savory plays towards back half that Baylor game. If you, like me, laid right around one and a half to two and a half points with Gonzaga in that game, you have every right to be salty. They were up seven points with 95 seconds to go, and they lost the game outright in regulation. Not great there. We're not going to mess around with them anymore, especially when you've got one of the best Guards in all of college basketball, not just among mid-major teams, but all of college basketball. Sincere carry. 19 points per game. Shoots in the mid-30s from three-point range. He's able to give you five boards. He's able to give you five assists. He gives you more than a steal per game. This guy has been rock solid for this team. And he's surrounded by shooters. Someone like a Giovanni Santiago, who's been able to shoot 40% from three-point range the last three seasons. He gives you nine points per game. You've got someone like Malik Jacobs. He hits the glass. He's able to give you a few assists, a few steals. He's been able to shoot in the mid-30s from three-point range as well. See, LaRon Hornbeek, I think he's going to be able to do an okay job. He's able to give the team seven rebounds per game. He is facing off against a big man in Drew Timmy who, I mean, Drew Timmy is a better offensive big man. No fans are impressed about it, but for everything that Drew Timmy does quite well on the offensive end, he leaves something to be desired on the defensive side of things as well. I know that there's a lot of knocks on Drew Timmy, but... Drew Timmy, he is what he is. He's a very solid offensive player. He's going to be able to do a solid job regardless of who he's facing off against down low. His defense, eh, not so much as well. And for this Gonzaga team, you do have Julian Strother along with Regier Bolton. They both are shooting well above 40% from three point range. I think that there's going to be a little bit of regression when it comes to that three point shooting number as well. I did set my total at a 153.5. This opened up at 152. And I felt like you had some value there. Here at the 153 at DraftKings like I'm seeing right now, this would be the max I'd be willing to take a look at on the over because with this Kent State team, they rank in the top 20 nationally in terms of points a lot on a per-possession basis, but they're also one of the more up-tempo teams in all of college basketball. They rank in the top 75 in terms of total possessions per game. You got a Gonzaga team that, as we all know, they are going to be looking to run it and gun it. They are not going to be turning down for much of anything whatsoever, but DK Nation right up here. I'm going to take the points with Kent State. I think that Gonzaga just still is not necessarily properly rated in terms of their power ranking. And the Gonzaga team, that they're just a little bit disappointing right now, and they're running into a Kent State team that already has went on the road against the current number one at Houston. They played them to within five points. It was a bowling ball shoe ugly game. It was 49-44. to 44. If you're looking to show an expose for future generations on – the beauty of college basketball, that would not be the game that you'd be showing them, but that said, you don't need a thing of beauty to be able to cash tickets because cashing tickets and a winning ticket, that is a thing of beauty in and of itself. And I think we've got one here with the points with Kent State. So taking the points, and here at 153 or less, I'm gonna be willing to go in on the over as well. We're gonna stick out here in the West Coast for this one. 855, 856 on the betting board. And this is a very bare card of college basketball, by the way. Only seven games on the slate. So I'll probably be able to preview every game on the show tonight. And Troy, they're going to be on the road for this game against San Diego State. San Diego State, between a 15 and a half to a 16 point favorite. Total on this game is between 136 and half and 137. And you have got a Troy team moves sort of like the, shall we say, further east end. A little bit more southern version of San Diego State. Troy comes in from the Sun Belt, and this team does a good job of being able to generate steals. Not necessarily the most impressive team on offense, but they're looking to play a little bit faster, looking to get out after you, and they're looking to hold you down. San Diego State, they've still been playing some relatively solid defense, so I mean, you could try to sell this to me any way possible. This is not the same San Diego State defense that we have seen in past years. You just take a look at every number, and have they gotten a little bit unlucky in terms of scheduling and teams being able to can some shots? Yes, this is not the same San Diego State defense, so let's just call it what it is. But what they do have now is someone in Darion Tremel who's able to help out Matt Bradley in the backcourt. Who, I mean, that's someone that last year was averaging 16 points per game. Bradley was shooting right around 40% from three-point range. He's shooting below 25% from three this year with 11.5 points per game. He's going to rebound. This is actually very similar to what we saw last season. Bradley had a little bit of a rough go of it, and then from there, he was just fine. But Tremel, he actually missed San Diego State's game against a non-D1 school. I think it was like Odisea or something like that. I probably said the name wrong. I apologize to whatever non-D1 school played against San Diego State a couple of days ago, but it said he missed that game. Team was able to get by very, very easily, but... And it's something that you do want to factor in. And this is a Troy team that is no joke when it comes to getting after it. These guys generate over 10 steals per game. Someone like a Kiefer punter in the backcourt. He's able to give you right around like eight, eight and a half points. He's going to be able to generate a few steals as well. It's a Troy team that they lost their top rebounder from last season at F.A. Obadigi, but they've been able to do a solid job with, say, Williams, who's been with the program for quite a while. He's able to pull in their five and a half rebounds per game. Going to have his hands full with Nathan Menza, but... Men's is not necessarily an offensive, just wizard as well. He's a guy that is very solid on defense. He's going to give San Diego State 8 points, 6 rebounds. He's going to do a great job of being able to guard the rim, but what I think keeps the straight team within the number, that would be the Georgia State transfer in Nelson Phillips. Phillips has been tremendous this year. 13 points, 6.5 boards, 2.5 steals, 2.5 assists, while shooting 36.5% from 3-point range. So he is really very much a big asset for this team. And he's really been the stabilizing force as they've been dealing with a few ailments to Duke Miles. Miles has been out of the fold last few games for this team. Really the top scorer with right around 14 points per game hasn't played in the last three. I'm not expecting him to be able to suit it up in this game as well. So you're going to need someone else to be able to step up for this team. Nate Chaminga has been able to give you a few rebounds per game. And then you do have a little bit of an X factor as well. And Darius McNeil has been in college basketball, literally for forever, he made his return after he played the first game of the year, and then, well, from there, he was injured for about eight or so games. He was able to play about 12 minutes in their loss against SIU Edwardsville, but I do think that you got a bunch that is going to be able to hang within the number, In Troy, I like what I've been seeing out of this team, and both of these teams, they're a little bit more up-tempo, but both of these teams do leave quite a bit of something to be desired on the offensive side of things, so... It is a number in which I said Troy is more around a 12 and half point underdog. I'm going to be willing to take the points in terms of total. I did set it at a 135 as well, so I'm going to be taking a look at the under. I'm only going to spend about one minute on this game, and it quite frankly doesn't deserve any more time than this because it's 851, 852. Just keep in mind, this is going to be an early start time, 9 a.m. Pacific, n- noon Eastern. IUPUI against UW-Green Bay. Two of the legitimately worst ten teams in college basketball. UW-Green Bay has gotten steamed up for being a six-point favorite to being anywhere between 6-F and I City are at circa a seven. Tulane's game is 125-and-a-half. IUPUI stinks. There's no offense or buts about it. But UW-Green Bay might be just as stinky. I Now that we're seeing a seven come onto the board, I actually think that you're getting value with IUPUI. They were able to get a cover against UW-Milwaukee. This is not a game that you really want to be spending a lot of time with. I mean, for heaven's sake, you want to be watching any sort of a game that isn't IUPUI versus UW-Green Bay. These two teams are terrible, but with IUPUI, ever since you've had a few pieces get back in the fold, Bryce Monroe comes in from Sam Houston State. He's played the last four games, and he's been able to give this team a little bit more of a spark on offense. That has been big for them. IUPUI is starting to come along with their shooting. I'm willing to take seven, and I set my total at and a half. I think it's close enough to where you get late-game felling. so looking at the over as well, and Something else we're looking at, taking a a recap of Week 13 in the NFL with Ben Brown of Pro Football Focus and Matt Landis of the Props and Ops podcast next here on VEASAN Esports Bank Network.
4: Put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
1: I'm Katia Adler, host of the Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
4: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom?
0: Peterson himself on VSN, the sports betting network.
3: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VSN.com to check out the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and the bets are moving on every single game? Well, the betting splits page it is updated every 10 minutes with DraftKings odds, so that way you're able to see all the changes in the action and where the public is betting based on the number of tickets, and where the money doesn't match up with the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way that VEASAN is here year-round to be able to make you a better better. So check out today's betting splits for every single game at VEASAN.com as we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the sports Betting Network. Great to be joined by our guests as Ben Brown does great work over at Pro Football Focus And likewise, Matt Landis over at the Props and Ops podcast. And gentlemen, it is always great to have you aboard. And Matt, I am going to start with you because I think we are both lamenting the same loss. I took the L.A. Chargers in terms of the Circa Millions here. Unfortunately, they could not hold on to the 10-point lead. And what did you overall see from the Chargers in this one? Because like for me personally, a little bit disappointing. I sort of knew where I was getting into when Mike Williams was ruled out of the fold as it's a Chargers team that has been a little bit banged up, but it's been remarkable to see just the Chargers inconsistencies this year and them being very, very conservative with a play call even when they're down.
5: Well, Greg, overall, I saw enough to be afraid that they would come up during this conversation tonight, and I was certainly hoping we wouldn't have to lead (laughs) off with them, but here we are another week in the life of a, a Chargers fan, or a Chargers better in your case, and I think one of my biggest takeaways at this stage of the season is that if you're a Chargers fan, you might as well become a Cowboys fan as well moving forward, because before this season kicked off, the rumor was that Sean Payton was probably next in line to become the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Mike McCarthy has done some great work overcoming, obviously, a big injury to his quarterback to start the season. And as long as Dallas can finish the season strong and not make too early of a playoff exit, I'm really waiting for the heat to pick up on some Sean Payton to the Chargers rumors. Uh, Brandon Zaley just – it's been surprising. The, the defensive guru has not been able to translate his success from the Rams to the Chargers, particularly within the run defense. And then just looking at the Chargers, over the last month, they had back-to-back losses in really tight games at San Francisco and then hosting the Chiefs. And then the last two weeks, a big step down in competition against Arizona and another subpar team and the Raiders. And all these games seem to be close, but the common denominator is the Chargers playing to the level of competition I know there are injuries. There is a lot going on, as there is with any NFL team over the course of the season. But I just think it's too much of not elevating or at least finding a consistent level of play. And whether you're a better or a fan, I think that's about all you need to know about the Chargers right now.
3: Yeah, with the Chargers, it's just been interesting to take a look at them, to say the least. And I want to get your thoughts on this game, Ben, because also, along with the Chargers being disappointing, that's three straight wins now for the Raiders. The Raiders, they needed... Some last-second comebacks in the first two. This one was a little bit more handle. The third quarter was really the key for them. And with the Raiders, could they perhaps be a little bit of a spoiler team moving forward? Because this is a team that they're probably not going to be able to make the playoffs unless if they do something crazy like went out. But they've really been showing some good effort and some good fight here the last few weeks.
6: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we have them, you know, basically 5-7, and 6-6 six and six against the spread. But they, you know, very much have a winnable game against the Los Angeles Rams coming up here. On Thursday night football, I think they should basically be, you know, six, six point five and a half, six point six and a half point favorites when it's all said and done. And like that is very much a game that they're going to win, right? And then you are going to start seeing some conversation about maybe they can squeeze into, you know, the AFC playoff pitch. I know PFF's perspective, uh, we have them with like an 11% ch- chance of making the playoffs, which, you know, for all intents and purposes, I would say is a little bit of a boost for, in their direction given where, you know, they were at to kind of start the season. So, I think this is, you know, very much a quality win from, you know, the Raiders' point of view. They kind of, I would say, you know, in a lot of ways almost tried to hand the game uh, to the Chargers in the first half. I think Derek Carr's interception in the first quarter, um, you know, the fumble with Josh Jacobs as well in the first quarter. Like, this was very much a game that the Chargers probably should have ran away with uh and been able to win and they very much i would say definitely handled business in the third quarter so i think we're starting to see you know the reasons for why josh mcdaniels was kind of brought into the fold why devonta adams was kind of brought into the fold And I think that, you know, the Raiders are going to be a little bit of a, you know, scary out, even if they don't end up getting into that playoff discussion, uh, very much are going to be, you know, in the mix as far as like knocking some of these teams down, you know, a a tier or two, when they do end up facing off with them, uh, towards the end of this season, I would say.
3: Yeah. But they're a very fascinating team right now to say the least that was a game that really stood out to me and Matt, I know that one of the biggest things that stood out to you Obviously, we had some great afternoon games, but in terms of a game from the morning slate, you did see the Vikings be able to get it done against the New York Jets by a kind of 27 to 22 because they were able to win the game by five. They were able to get that cover as well. And what do you make out of the Vikings right now? Because it just feels like another week and another one-score win for the Minnesota Vikings. I think that really their lone game in which they won by multiple scores was week number one against the Green Bay Packers. It just feels like, it's the same song you dance with the Vikings. They're always close in games. They're always pulling them out. It doesn't necessarily look the sexiest. It doesn't necessarily look the most convincing, but they keep on pulling it off. Do you still have some question marks with this team, or are you buying in more and more to this Vikings bunch?
5: I think the longer they do this, the more inclined I am to try to see if there could be something to the way that they are continuously winning these games. But, man, it does feel an awful lot as we're watching these games in real time. Like that magic carpet ride is just continuing one week after another. And I would have thought when we had our conversation about Mike White taking over for the Jets almost exactly six nights ago, if we were to say, okay, reconvening Sunday night, the Vikings covered. I would have thought that the clock struck midnight and Mike White had been exposed in some way. That really wasn't the case. This was a Jets team that outgained Minnesota by 1.6 yards per play. Late down variance, a huge factor in this one. At Minnesota 10 for 19 on third and fourth down compared to just five of 21 for the Jets. In the red zone, the Vikings go three for three. The Jets just one for six. Vikings also plus two in turnovers. So I can't knock the Jets' performance. I just think randomness worked against them at an extreme level today. And that seems to be the story of the season for Minnesota's opponents. So while I do want to try to say, okay, if I diminish red zone luck or late down swings, we've seen this often enough throughout the course of the season that there might be some signal there for Minnesota, but I'm not fully sold yet. So as I look ahead to week 14, maybe we'll talk teasers a little bit later on. But the Lions, I, I know that they've seen some money now, so there, there are lines moving toward Pickham. Still some plus ones out there. So for the people interested in perhaps a six and a half point teaser paying up to minus 130, the Lions have a lot of appeal. Because to your point, Greg, even though Minnesota keeps finding ways to win, aside from week one, they haven't been doing so by margin.
3: And are there any other games on the board? I'll go back to you on this one, Matt, that you're taking a look at in terms of teasers because... I'm noticing that it's a very interesting board with a lot of numbers that are right around four and a half, five and a half-ish. And those are always games in which it's a little bit tricky on.
5: Yeah, the games in four and a half or five and a half, to me, those are kind of in no man's land when it comes to betting against the spread. I rarely give them too much consideration with teasers because I strongly prefer to tease through both of the key numbers, three and seven. And this board has a lot of teams in the range of like pick them to two and a half or seven to nine and a half. And that's where at some books you could maybe get a six-point teaser for minus 120. Another book you might have to lay minus 130 to get six and a half points, whatever you need to do to cross through those key numbers of three and seven. So sticking with the Lions is a candidate to go from plus one where available up through the seven to plus seven and a half. That's a six and a half point teaser. A lot of books have moved to Kansas City minus nine at Denver this coming week. So that's a second leg I would consider pairing with the Lions. It sounds dangerously simplistic the way this season has gone to say, hey, Chiefs at Broncos, just give me the vastly superior team (laughs) to do a little more than win outright. So I would advise a word of caution when it comes to bankroll management. But especially in the 6.5 teaser neighborhood this week, the Lions and Chiefs seem like the more appealing early on candidates in this betting market.
3: And what is also going to be very, very interesting, and this is a number that I'm sure is going to move a little bit with Monday Night Football as well. I'll throw this one to you, Ben. This 49ers versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. I'm sure that we're going to hit on the other side what we're going to be expecting from Monday Night Football as well. But for the 49ers, Jimmy G goes down with the injury. They bring in Brock Purdy. And right now at DraftKings, I've seen this number move from a look at of minus three up to minus six and a half. I'm not sure if that's a typo or not, but very interesting to take a look at this 49ers team. Now that Brock Purdy, it looks like, is going to be the man moving forward.
6: Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, basically where we were at is six and a half on the look ahead line. Now we're down to like minus three or something like that. So three and a half point expectation based on, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo playing versus not playing. I think that kind of fits right. And I do think that, you know, the, the Tom Brady led Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Everyone's kind of buying into the fact that at some point they are going to be able to put this all together. Right. They are going to have, you know, the offensive line and they are going to have the quick passing game. Uh, You know in place enough to actually be able to compete with some of these teams in the NFC and I very much think that you know given the state of you know the 49ers uh, you know passing situation now with Brock Purdy at quarterback like if you are looking at the spread right now like it is very much uh, I I would say Tampa Bay or bust right I think that if you buy into quarterbacks still driving you know offensive output and performance at the nfl level and you do think that they are very much you know the most important and crucial points to the game like it's really hard i would say to you know not play tampa bay even at a plus price right now
3: yeah it's really interesting to take a look at that 49ers situation and the AFC North is looking interesting as well. We'll take a look at some of those week 14 games and just get the overall outlook of the conference next with Matt Landis of the Props and Ops Podcast and Ben Brown of Pro Football Focus here on the Great Peterson experience on V the Sports Betting Network.
0: You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: The sports action is in full swing, and BetRivers Online Sportsbook is your home for the latest lines, odds, and boosts. Whether you're a football, hockey, or basketball fan, BetRivers has you covered. Join us every week for new promotions like our Tuesday Hockey First Goal Score Insurance, Friday Night College Football Bet and Get, Sunday Football Parlay Insurance, and so much more. Head on over to BetRivers.com or download the BetRivers app today as it is a whole new game. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network, being rejoined by Matt Landis of the Props and Ops podcast, along with Brent Brown over there at Pro Football Focus. And, Ben, I will lead off with you on this. The AFC North, it is of fascination. The Cincinnati Bengals, a little bit of a rough go of it out of the gates. Now they have really caught some fire. Big win for them against the Kansas City Chiefs. And though the Ravens got it done, Lamar Jackson being out of the fold, that hurts them. How do you view this race right now? Just because I do think that the Lamar Jackson injury, it is a little bit of a game changer. And as far as teams that from, I would say week number three, week number four to now that have made big strides forward. I would say that the, that the Bengals have been one of the most improved teams proving it without Jamar chase for much of this time.
6: Yeah, definitely. And and I think they've done it in a lot of the right ways or whatever, or the ways in which we kind of want to see them be effective, right? Like last week, very much beating a Tennessee Titans team that is really strong against the run, really good, you know, rushing the football with Derrick Henry and they kind of shut that down. And then I think the 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 question was this week, like, can they go from shutting down the run to stopping what is very much the best passing offense in football in the Kansas City Chiefs. And they really didn't seem to have too many issues doing that either. So I think defensively, you know, given where they're at, especially along the front four and, and kind of how they've been able to fill in the gaps with, Without Ouzier, I think they very much have, uh, you know, the, the strongest defense maybe of the AFC contenders right now. And I think that is going to be the thing that can kind of really carry them forward because they very much, I would say, have the offensive pieces in place to maybe win a shootout against a team like a Buffalo Bills or win a shootout against a team like the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think they are very much for real very much belong in that top tier of AFC teams right now. The only question, of course, is, you know, the schedule situation. The PFF, from PFF's perspective, we have them with the second most difficult, you you know, remaining strength of schedule. Thankfully, some of those games happen at home against the Buffalo Bills, you know, in Week 17 and and against the Ravens in Week 18. But they very much kind of need to circumvent or or, kind of navigate what has been a very difficult schedule here over the past two weeks and and kind of finish strongly. And if they do that, and if they do get the two or three seed in the AFC, like it's really hard to see them as any more than, you know, a a field goal underdog against the best teams in the AFC, even if they are on the road in that situation. So I like the Bengals. I've liked them all year. Uh, I'm probably more excited about them right now than I have been all season, but I think that's very much justified, you know, given where they have been and also where they're probably going to go here at the end of the season.
3: And then in terms of Ravens, I want to address what we're taking a look at right now with them because where I sit at Circa, they currently have a number between the Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers as the Steelers being a two-point favorite in the game that we're going to be seeing for Week 14. And we were seeing a look-at number with the Ravens being more around a four to four and a half point favorite. And Matt, I'll lead off with you with this. Do you think that that's an appropriate move for the drop-off of Lamar Jackson to Tyler Hundley? Hundley, a guy that He made some starts in the last two seasons. He's actually looked halfway decent. Certainly, though, Lamar Jackson, one of the most gifted players just of any position in the NFL.
5: Yeah, in the coming days, I'll really look to the betting market and Circa takes action from everybody. So I I think the Circa line will really inform just how valuable the Lamar Jackson factor is when we look at the drop off from him to Huntley. But, I mean, Greg, you talk about a two-point underdog in a game with a total in the 30s. Guess where I want to go with this? I was oh, yes. Six-and-a-half-point teasers in the first segment. But for Baltimore, Huntley seems capable enough, and I know the Steelers have a good defense. They don't have the best offense in the world, so this just looks like a low-variance game that can have massive ramifications, and the AFC North Pittsburgh getting the chance to play the role of the spoiler here, but... Baltimore, if they can, you know, just just find a way to win like they did today, beating Denver by one, they will gladly take it, I'm sure. And they're so glad that Lamar Jackson's injury does not appear to be season ending. But from a betting perspective, when I look at Ravens dealers, I don't know if anybody has to have the perfect answer right now as to what the drop off from Jackson to Huntley is worth. All I've got to tell you is if I can tease a team up from plus two to plus eight with a total in the 30s, then I'm probably going to do that just about every time.
3: Yep. Yeah, it's such an interesting game right now. And we're going to go to you with this one, Ben. What do you think the drop-off is when it comes to Lamar Jackson over to Hundley? Because Hundley, someone that's able to do a relatively okay job. We've seen that in the past. He's certainly far from the worst backup in the league, but no question about it, When you lose a guy like Lamar Jackson, that impacts so many things with what he's able to do with his feet.
6: Yeah, definitely. So we have basically Lamar Jackson with like Uh, we would say he's basically like six and a half points above uh, what, what a replacement level quarterback would, would be uh, worth from a spread perspective, which is basically kind of like, you know, in the range of like the, the, the fourth or fifth best quarterback in the NFL for comparison's sake, we would have him basically kind of in the same tier as like a Justin Herbert or a Joe Burrow. But the weird thing about, I would say the Ravens specifically is their offensive scheme kind of fits both quarterbacks, right? Like I think if you take a guy like Justin Herbert or you take a guy like Joe Burrow out of those particular offenses, like the the way in which the offense is structured very much relies on those guys making being able to make deep throws downfield accurately to their best receivers. And the, and in Lamar Jackson's case, they they don't necessarily have to make all of those throws every single time, and I think Tyler Huntley has kind of been able to provide, you know, some semblance of a floor filling in for Lamar Jackson in those situations. So it might not be like a six and a half point spread drop off from, you know, Lamar Jackson to Tyler Huntley because of the offensive scheme that the Baltimore Ravens implore. So I do think that it's, you know, maybe like three, three and a half points uh, it is kind of like the projection that I would go with at least initially. And like, and like Matt said, kind of take some direction from the betting market as far as like where we're going to end up with the spread. But I, 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 I'm inclined to, I would say probably buy into you know Baltimore and Tyler Huntley given what we've been able to see you know from him in previous situations to kind of at least elevate the floor around him but I think the Ravens you know whether they're going to get out and actually compete for the, with the top teams in the AFC it is very much going to come down to the fact that if they can kind of build out and develop some of these wide receivers that they've just not had in the fold here, you know, throughout the course of the 2022 season. So I like Tyler, Tyler Huntley next week, but I think long-term if this injury to Lamar Jackson lingers any longer, uh, I would very much be, you know, inclined to probably sell the Baltimore Ravens for the rest of the season.
3: Yep. It's such an interesting ordeal because it's not one that we're necessarily totally unfamiliar with, but at the same time, It's just such a big drop-off when you do lose a guy like a Lamar Jackson. And just want to get your initial thoughts on the board in general, Matt. I know that we've taken a look at a few games and a few games with a teaser appeal as well. But is there anything else that's really jumping up off the board to you? Because I know you were referencing that Jets versus Vikings game a little bit earlier with the Vikings being able to get yet another close win. And for that team that lost in the Jets, right now I'm seeing them here at Circa as a 10-point underdog. And, I like the way that the Buffalo Bills have been able to bounce back in past weeks, but that said, I do take a look at this Jets team and they might be getting a little bit undervalued in a divisional matchup.
5: Yeah. If I had to play this one against the spread, I would feel similar to the Thanksgiving matchup where the bills went to Detroit for the second time in just a few days in the case of the bills and their weird travel situation, still laying double digits. And it was a case where, If you're catching double digits, take the dog. Uh, I see some books also hanging nine and a half. And just one more way to weave teasers into this conversation, a bit outside the box of the typical realm, seven-point teasers can also be an option when we see a team like Buffalo minus nine and a half and some books hanging at nine and a half for the Chiefs at Denver. And if we teased a seven and a half point two team teaser, that's minus 140 would be the typical VIG attached to that number. That can sound really steep when a lot of people are used to laying no more than minus 120 on a six point teaser. But look at a money line parlay. If you go into any book with money lines posted for the Chiefs and Bills on the week 14 card, a money line parlay probably gonna cost you close to minus 200. So it is possible that. Either the Bills or Chiefs could win by one or two points, in which case the Moneyline parlay cashes and the teaser doesn't. But that's pretty rare if we're getting down through the key number of three with both of those teams. I think it's well worth the trade-off to save 60 cents. So I would say if I like the Jets, take the 10 points. If you're leaning the Bills way, pairing them with a team like the Chiefs in a seven-point teaser might be the more optimal route there.
3: And then we've got about a minute here, Ben. Is there a game that you're taking a look at for week 14 that has really caught your eye or maybe a little bit of a move from the look at numbers that has been sort of interesting to you? I'll go
6: with it. I think the Vikings probably are still a little bit undervalued uh, compared to the betting market expectation. I know that a lot of people want to say that the Jets maybe should have won or covered outright. I look at it and I think, you know, the Vikings were up 14 points at halftime. Very much in a lot of ways dominated from an EPA perspective, both in the first half and throughout the entire game. So minus one uh, against Detroit, uh, I'm not teasing that game. I'm betting the Vikings outright at minus one. I do think they're probably going to not only cover outright, but maybe even uh, you know mess up a few teaser legs in that in that predicament as well. If people continue to kind of try and fade them, uh, at least as far as being a team that they cannot back because of you know some end of game type situations that continue to kind of rear their head in those in those sorts of games so give me the Vikings minus one uh I'll fade the teaser legs at that point in time
3: yep and when you get a pick them game like we're seeing at most books right now when you win a one score game that means that you get the cash and we always get great insights from both of you Ben you do great work over there at Pro Football Focus and Matt over at the Props and Ops Podcast always appreciate the time gentlemen thank you
5: likewise thanks Greg
3: Always great to have them aboard. And coming up next, we go from football to basketball as I take a look at Monday's college basketball card here on Vison. the Sports Bank Network.
4: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on v the sports betting network.
3: Calling all soccer fans to lace up your cleats with Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook with the World Cup now in full swing. Now is the perfect time to check out Bet Rivers because when you log into Bet Rivers every single match day, you're able to get a free $10 bet when you place a wager of at least $25. Bet Rivers has the latest odds, lines, and boosts to be able to create a perfect match day experience. Head on over to BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app today to be able to get in on all the action as it is a whole new game. Back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa and the Sports Bank Network. Always great to have Matt Landis of the Props and Ops Podcast and Ben Brown of Pro Football Focus aboard. They join me the last two segments. Take a look at some early lines for week number 14 and recap what we got in a very rambunctious day of football on Sunday. So always a pleasure there. And we've got a small slate of college basketball that is going to be going down for Monday, but We've been hitting upon a lot of the West Coast games. How about if we go to the East Coast games? Because a lot of these are going to be on the Extra Games board, and the Extra Games are merely when you take a look at the Las Vegas rotation, they have the six digits, and they involve teams from smaller conferences. Like today, it's going to be the America East and the Atlantic Sun that gets featured on the Extra Games board. But much like any other game, if they make money on them, fortunately, you're probably going to get Smaller limits when it comes to an Albany versus UMass game as compared to, oh, say, Duke versus Iowa that you're going to be getting on Tuesday. But that said, it all cash is the same. 306, 595, 306, 596. UMass is playing OSA Albany. Albany is a 15 and a half point underdog, totals between 138 and a half and 139. And with this Albany team, they have just been dealing with Murphy's Law this season. I actually felt like Dwayne Killings was doing a very good job. You're number one with Albany. They were able to go on the road, and I think that they beat Boston College. Now, Maine is a team that knocked off Boston College in this college basketball season, but that said, it has been a no-good, very bad, terrible year. And I sort of think to myself, how much of what Albany is going through behind the scenes? Because you got Dwayne Killings, who has been alleged of like having some misconduct with one of his former, with one of the former player. It's on the team. It was just a bad ordeal. We're going to see what all comes of it, but you have to wonder how much of that has been weighing on him as he tries to coach up a team that is legitimately dealing with injuries as you've had Jay Neely, one of the team's top rebounders be out of the fold for this team. You've had just a lot of guys in general be out of the fold. And you've got a UMass team that they're a little bit new look, but they bring in quite a bit of talent. So, like Matt cross was a former top one or recruit. Over at Miami, he's been able to give the team 10 points per contest. Solid three-point shooter. Now, I do think that UMass is going to see a little bit of regression from their 39% three-point shooting that they've had a little bit to begin the season. Rashul Diggins is going to need to step it up a little bit as well. Former top 150 recruit from UConn. it's only been able to give the team right around four points per contest, but some of the mainstays from last year's UMass team that decided to stick around They've been big for this team. TJ Weeks is shooting 50% from three, 6-foot-6 combo player. He's able to give you about eight points per game. And then Noah Fernandez He has been solid. 11 points. He had that big game winner in, I think that they were in the Charleston Classic. He was able to hit that shot. He's been able to do a nice job doling out the ball, not turning the ball over a whole lot. Flat. And for Frank Martin, who came over from South Carolina. Last season, South Carolina was one of the faster teams in all of college basketball. They're more of a mid-tempo team this season. Is sort of curtailed his style to what he's got on the roster and his roster is not necessarily a team that goes out, runs it and guns it or anything like that, but they've been playing some very solid defense and now they go up against an Albany bunch that they've been able to shoot okay from three-point range, but they turn the ball over quite a bit. They're one of the slower teams in all of college basketball and a big thing for Albany, lack of discipline. They rank at the top 15 nationally in terms of fellows committed on a per-possession basis. Gerald Dr- drum who I hope I'm saying that correctly, it might be Drum Ghoul, but that said, he's been able to give the team 13 points. He's been shooting about 37.5% from three-point range, but really other than Jonathan Beagle, who down low, he's been able to give you about 7.5 boards, 7.5 points per game. That is all that you've got for guys that are able to give you more than 3.5 rebounds per game. Sarju Patel, who came in from Cornell, he was a solid shooter for them, and he's been able to shoot about 34.5% from three-point range, but this team legitimately has a big giant nothing burger down low. Got a UMass te- UMass team that has Wolden Slavik in the fold. He followed Frank Barton over from South Carolina. He's been able to do a nice job on the glass, giving you a block, giving you five and a half rebounds per game. This is a UMass team that, just quite frankly, they outclass this Albany team. Albany just, in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis, for a team that that was really their calling card last season, 352nd. Now you're going to see regression with this UMass offense, but. That said, I'm willing to lay the number with UMass. I made them more of a 17.5 point favorite. I did set my total at 137.5. I'm going to be looking at the under just because with Frank Martin, he has decided that he is going to be playing it a little bit more slowly in terms of tempo with this year's team for one. And Albany, they're also one of the slowest teams in all of college basketball among your 358 D1 teams. They're playing at a tempo of 312 in terms of total possessions per game. So looking at the under animal and delay the points with UMass. Now let's go with another UMass team. 306-597. 306-598. UMass Lowell. They are going to be on the road against Long Island. Long Island, they're hoping to be strong island as they are between 13 and 13 and a that point. Underdog total is between 144 and things high as a 145 and a half. Long Island is a little bit of an enigma because Long Island ranks in the top 35 in terms of total possessions per game. They actually shoot as a whole about 36, 36 36.5% from three, yet they rank in the bottom 10 in all of college basketball in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis. And the reason why is because they've got themselves butterfingers. They are turning the ball over darn near 18 times for contests. It has not been too terrific there also got a team that they really don't have a lot in the interior. They rank 350th in the country in terms of two point shooting percentage. So, while you've got someone like a Marco has who's been able to give you 15 half points per game, shooting about 39% from three point range, Keon Burns who's able to shoot about 40% from distance, he's been able to give the team 10 half points per game. These guys really can't get inside. As a matter of fact, Burns, along with someone else in Jacob Johnson, who came in after he was a part-time starter at UMKC, the good old Kangaroos last season. These are the only two guys. They're giving you more than 4.7 rebounds per game. And then you do have Trey Wood back in the fold. Wood is really the, one of the longest-term guys that you've got for this Long Island team. He's been able to give the team 10.5 points when he's been out there throughout his career. Has been a solid three-point shooter as well. But with this UMass Lowell team, they are so much better this year than they have been in past years, as this team did a really nice job hitting the transfer portal and bringing in guys that are able to fit their system. I still remember two years ago, Yuri Covington, while he was playing for William & Mary. He ranked in the top 10 nationally in terms of turnovers on a per-game basis, and he was doling out fewer than two assists per game. I mean, he was just a complete liability out there on the court. He has really been able to shape up. He's given the team eight points per game. He's shooting 40% from three-point range. Got someone like an Allen Blunt. Eight points per contest, shooting 40% from three. Everett Hammond, 12 points, six boards, two assists, shooting 48.3% from three-point range. These guys light it up from distance. And with UMass Lowell, they've kicked up their tempo. They rank in the top 80 nationally. In terms of total possessions per game, they do a nice job down low. Max Brooks is a really good rim protector that's able to give you two blocks per game. And then they bring in Abdul Karim Kulabi. He was playing over at Pittsburgh a few seasons ago. Was a part-time starter before... St. Bonaventure decided to go with a five-man rotation and didn't trust anyone coming in off the bench. He has come in, and he has been a great seal for them, right around 10 rebounds per game. And Long Island just does not, frankly, have a lot down low because with Long Island, they brought in Rod Strickland very late on in the process. It was looking like they were just going to be sticking status quo with Derek Kellogg, and then they decided, oh, we're going to bring in Rod Strickland. And if the name sounds familiar, yes, it is the same Rod Strickland that actually used to be. An NBA guard. He's got a little bit of G League experience, and I do think that he's going to be able to do good things with his team, but caused a lot of players to just jump off the bandwagon very, very late. It was looking like they were going to have Maurice Commander out in the backcourt. He has not played at all this season, so that leaves them in a little bit of a tough spot. Someone like an Amadou Fall. He was coming in from Arkansas Pine Bluff. He was a relatively highly touted junior college transfer. He's only been able to get out there for five games this year, so just a little bit of a broken mess for this team. Now, Long Island, I felt like they were a little bit undervalued when they were a 20-point underdog against Towson a few days ago. But that said, if you take a look at those two numbers, what they're saying is UMass Lowell is essentially seven points worse than Towson. And I don't believe that. I think that this UMass Lowell team is one of the more underrated, shall we say, northeast part of the country, mid-majors in all of college basketball. You've got good shooting. Max Brooks was an all AEC defensive player of the year last season. So I do think that this is a UMass Lowell team that they've got actually a shot to be able to win that America East, especially with Brian dealing with all that they're dealing with, with a bunch of guys that are sick. And just the fact that they don't play a whole lot lot of defense in general. So I did say UMass Lowell as a 15 and a half point favorite, I'm going to be willing to lay this summer in. Semi-total at 147.5. You're going to get lots of possessions in this game. Long Island seems to be coming over, around a little bit with their offense. So looking at the over and looking at UMass Lowell laying the big number, and that leads us into our pro tip for hour number two, vison.com slash subscribe for all these. You're able to short, sort them by show and by sport. And the pro tip for hour number two is have a number in mind in terms of the drop-off from a starting quarterback to a backup quarterback. We're seeing a whole bunch of injuries. Jimmy G goes down. Lamar Jackson goes down. Who knows what's going to be happening with like the Packers, the Brown, the Bears moving forward. So always have a number in mind in terms of the drop-off to the backup quarterback. And in our number three, we're going to give you guys the rest of the college basketball betting board here on Vsin Esports Bank Network.
0: If you dare.
2: play